What's going on, ladies and gents? I'm Billy Donnelly, and I'm getting old quickly. Welcome back to another brand new episode of the podcast. For those of you who have been here before, welcome back. You know the lay of the land, you know the drill, you basically know the rules and what it is that we're here to do. But if this is your first time, also welcome. Welcome aboard on our journey of self-discovery and self-reflection, of introspection and self-improvement. Basically, week in and week out, we try to put in the emotional work to be better today than we were yesterday and to be better tomorrow than we were today. So, what's on the agenda for this week's show? Well, I kind of really want to talk about anger. Um, and not anger in general, but a very specific anger. And look, you, you'll see where I'm going to go with this along the way and when we get there. But I do have a lot of thoughts uh, that have been rattling around in my mind probably for about the last 24 hours. Been very present up there. Um, and I'll, I'm going to explain to you why this is even coming up. But I got a lot I want to unpack, a lot I want to say about this. And so let's just dive right in uh, to all of it, okay? But let's so, so let's start with why this is here, okay? Why I want to discuss this. So there's a new docu-series uh, on HBO Max that you can check out called Music Box that I guess is going to be a series of uh, documentaries um, that are musically inclined. But what caught my interest was the very first one out of the gate, which is a film called Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage, which is a documentary about the concert slash festival of Woodstock 99 and how it all went off the rails. Now, you know, Woodstock 69 uh, is, is, of course, the beloved cultural event that we all know, right? Peace, love, and happiness. And then 25 years later, there was a Woodstock 94 that tried to, you know, bring the past into the present. And as a result, there were a lot of acts from 69 that were, that were still alive and active uh, that were brought to be on the bill, as well as a lot of modern acts that also played. And it was a really good show. Um, I remember watching it on TV, uh, pay-per-view at the time. And it, it, it was able to marry both eras. Uh, and then Woodstock 99 came about five years later and uh, was, was a disaster. Uh, what, is, what Woodstock 99 is most known for is the riots. I mean, on Sunday night, the last night, they basically burned the place down. And state troopers from upstate New York were brought in to sort of squash the chaos that was that had overtaken the entire legacy or memory of the weekend. And so I remembered this happening. You know, 99, I was 19 years old. I remember this happening. I remember watching some of the show uh, on pay-per-view uh, because I you couldn't have get you couldn't have gotten me to go to upstate New York for a weekend festival uh, with that many people just to go see a show. Like, there's just 
everything about it sounds like a bad idea to me. And so my logic and reason brain says, uh, no, uh, <laughs> we're not going to do this. Um, there's another, there's other ways to experience it. And granted, you know, there's a lot to be said about being there and, and, you know, being in the moment and feeling it and so on and so forth. But in retrospect, I made the right decision, you know, even as a 19 year old who, who easily could have went up there as opposed to 94, you know, I was only 14. So that, you know, that would have been a, a tougher pull to, to make happen with my, uh, my parents. But at 19, I easily could have went up there, but I didn't. And in retrospect, I, you know, I avoided the riots. And so, uh, good for me. Okay. <laughs> but, but what was interesting to me, and, and like I said, I do remember this happening. I remember it vividly happening at 19 years old and seeing the, the chaos uh, and the disorder that it erupted at what should have been a really cool musical event, really cool festival. And, uh, you know, and in watching the documentary... Uh, that that's sort of where the the conversation about anger really took root this week because you know if you looked at the bill uh, of, of of artists that were booked for Woodstock '99, um, so it was very aggressive, uh, very. Very angry. Now, there's anything wrong with that, and, and I'll get into that as well. Very angry, and uh, it kind of played to a certain crowd, certain audience. Okay, which is what the documentary likes to point out. And this is where we're going to sort of go with. Okay, uh, young white males, right? Somewhere in the late teens into probably mid-20s, maybe in the 30s and, and so on, but but kind of in that that range. And so what, what kind of bothered me in watching the documentary, you know, and, and it's really interesting seeing sort of like the, um, the deterioration of things from Friday through Sunday. But what bothered me about the documentary and sort of how some of this was presented was this idea of it's just a bunch of young white guys. What the hell are they so angry about? What do they have to be angry about? Where is all this coming from? And, and look, I'm not going to excuse what happened at Woodstock 99, okay? It was horrible, okay? What wound up happening was horrible. By the end of the weekend, it was basically toxic masculinity married together with mob mentality that created a horrible, horrible set of events that just unfolded. And 
But what, what really, like I said, what really sort of, I guess, dug at me, especially somebody who at the time was 19 years old, was this sort of dismissal over why would 19-year-old white guys be be angry? What, like, what's your deal? And so what I wanted to sort of discuss this week on the show is where that anger comes from, why it exists, how it can turn so toxic, and how some of the rest of us are trying to work around it or through it, I'd say. Because once again, there's no excuse for how some of it is unleashed into the world. But what I will say is that it has to come out somehow and in a number of ways it's not being allowed to and that's why it becomes so destructive. You know, first of all, I would advise anybody to watch the documentary. I think it, it's a really interesting look at what happened. It's an interesting look at the time as well and the culture and what was happening uh, in that moment. And I remember it because, you know, I was living it. I was a 19-year-old white guy in 1999. I'm still a white guy now. I'm just a little bit older. And I'm not trying to paint this with some sort of rosy brush either. You know, as a 19-year-old, I remember carrying with me a good amount of anger about a lot of things. A lot of angst about a lot of things. And so what I, what I want to talk about this week is, is where it comes from. Because I do think that there is an easy dismissal that, that exists right now, especially right now, but that has existed for a bit to just sort of look past or, or swipe past, if you want to use modern terminology, or just, just sort of move over um, the struggles of white guys, which exists. You know, they exist. And on a macro level, I get it. I understand. No one cares. No one wants to listen to the white guy complain. No matter what his age is. Nobody wants to hear it. But on a micro level, that makes it extremely difficult for someone like myself to navigate what it is that I'm feeling 
and the emotions that I have. You know, as a as a male, okay, someone who identifies as a male, for a long, long time, we have not been able to feel anything ever. Society doesn't want us to feel anything ever. And we're judged if we feel anything. We're judged by each other, which leads to us being judged by ourselves. We're judged by other people about, you know, what being a man looks like and manning up. You know, we I've talked about this here in the past on the show about toxic masculinity. It's a real thing. It exists. There are very toxic attributes and aspects of masculinity that are magnified in such a way that being strong or being a man does not involve you examining your feelings or your emotions. So not only are you not allowed to feel anything, but if you do find a place that you may consider to be safe to express yourself or examine these things, you have to worry about, does anybody even care? Does anybody even want to hear this? Or is it just, shut up, white guy. We're all dealing with stuff. And so that's where it becomes a problem on a micro level, is that we're all human beings. And we're all dealing with things. And we all have our, our issues and our struggles and our problems and our feelings. And when some look at that and just say, well, I don't care. A, it's hurtful, but it's also not helpful. And I'm not here advocating for, you know, seeing white guys as victims. I get it. We've been in charge of a lot of things for a long period of time, and it hasn't gone well. I'm right there with you on that. Okay? I'm right there with you on that. I get it. I understand. So once again... On the macro level, I get it. Be quiet, white guy. But on the micro level, the silence is not helpful. Or the encouraged silence is not helpful. Because the anger needs to find a way out somehow. 
somewhere, some way. We need, there needs to be a way to release it. Okay? And when you're 16, 17, 18, 19, into your 20s, when no one allows you to talk about these things, to feel these things, and then as a result, to release these things as you process them, It's a recipe for disaster as we get older. It's a recipe for disaster. It just is. Because if we're not accustomed to having the tools to work through these things, to feel these things, to talk about these things, then how does anybody expect us to magically make them appear when we hit our 30s or our 40s or our 50s. So when I see this this look at, you know, white guys as being like, well, what are they angry about? They're angry about nothing. No, that's not the case. They're angry about a lot of things. Just look at your life. Look at your life and all the things that exist within your life that can easily provide an opening for your anger. Things that provoke you to be angry. And it's not for any Num any specific reasons. There's just anything out there can do it. Your family, your relationships, your job, a number of things can be in your life. That doesn't have you feeling great about whatever situation you happen to be involved in. And when you're younger... It's magnified because no one listens to you when you're younger. Nobody thinks you're capable of anything. And a lot of times that anger and that angst comes from just feeling misunderstood, that nobody sees you in the way that you want to be seen. Nobody gets you. Nobody understands you. And so as you're trying and struggling to find yourself, a lot of times society is then trying to put you in a box or other people are trying to put you in the box. And that anger comes from trying to break outside of the box. And saying, no, I am more than this. I am something else. See me for who I am, not who you want me to be. All right? It's a very breakfast club sort of mentality. People have labels placed upon them by others that don't necessarily represent 
accurately who they are. And that can be very aggravating and very frustrating. And anger stems from that. In addition, society lies to us. Society lies to us and says if we do things the right way, then everything should be fine. And it's a lie. You know, I, I had to talk to my therapist about this very recently, and she asked me if I felt entitled. And then she, she was like, I didn't mean, I was like, no, you can call it what you want. But she was like, do you, do you believe that, you know, good things happen to good people or should happen to good people and bad things should happen to bad people? And I said, I didn't necessarily believe that it was so black and white that like I'm owed things for being good or for doing good things or that bad people are owed bad things happening to them because they behave badly. But let's face it, right? The, th the lessons and principles and ideas that are sort of hammered into our heads when we're younger is like if you work hard and you do things the right way, then, you know, you'll be successful or you'll find happiness. All those things, which are a lie. And so as you get older, as you get a little wiser, I mean, I won't even necessarily go wiser, but as you get older, let's just start there. As you get older, especially as you head into those late teen years, right, into your early 20s, you start to pull the curtain back a little bit more. You start to see things a little bit more clearly and say, mm, I don't think that this is what we were promised. Right? And we're all promised it, aren't we? We're all sort of promised it and it doesn't work out for all of us. And so when it doesn't work out from us and we're told that the promise or we learn that the promise is basically garbage. That's a seed for a lot of anger. Right? When, when being idealistic and optimistic doesn't serve us well at that point in time. And so we begin to be a bit more pragmatic, a little more of a realist. And that doesn't mean that we stop caring. We still hope for the best. But... There are others who take that anger and keep going with it. Because now they see a system that's unfair. They see a setup that feels rigged. 
they see people who are cutting corners or cheating to get ahead or stepping over others or stepping on others and they say, F it. Nothing's happening to them. There's no consequences for them. Nice guys apparently finish last. So what's the what's the point of traveling that path? And so they feed that. They feed that anger and it continues to be angry. And they care less about other people. And they just do what they want and what feels good to them. But that anger still burns inside of them. And they just blame other people along the way for why they feel that way. They don't look at the system and say the system sucks. They say other people made me do this. So I'll be mad at other people. There are some of us who don't go down that route. Keep hoping that the tables are going to turn at some point. That things will get better. We don't say F it. We keep trying to do the right thing. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. But still... Along those those pathways, we find it difficult to feel things. And in a lot of ways, the anger turns to sadness. And we struggle with that alone by ourselves. Trying to figure out, does this, does this get any better? Am I going to ever feel any better? And at some point in time, we may find some peace. Some of us, not all of us, some of us. But rather than take the anger and run with it, we try to grow from it. We try to say, mm, I don't, I don't want to feel like this anymore. We kind of make peace with some of it. We kind of make peace with the sucky system and the way things are. And we try to make the best of it. You know, I was 19 and I was angry. 
And it wasn't a great angry. You know, watching the the Woodstock 99 documentary, I could easily see myself in some of the not great behavior from then. Not that I would have been involved in the riots. Not that I would have been running around sexually assaulting people because I could get away with it there. But there was an attitude that I carried with me. There's probably some misogyny in there. In fact, not probably, very likely in there. And I've tried to grow from it. I'm fortunate in that way to sort of have been able to grow from who I was at 19 to where I am now at 41. I'm still struggling. I'm still trying to work through a lot of things. But at least in terms of being in touch with my own emotions and what I feel, I am in a far better place than I was then. And not everybody gets there. But to... To diminish what other people may be feeling because you don't understand or you don't want to take the time to learn or you just want to sort of chalk it up as like, well, white guys, who cares, whatever. I don't think that that is helpful. You know, I myself struggle when I have to talk about things like this. Because I've sort of seen it. I've seen it in practice. Whatever, white guys. No one cares. Shut up. And I understand it. I understand. We've, we have had a death grip on the microphone for a long time. But on a personal level, it doesn't feel good to be told that nobody cares about your feelings. Because nobody has ever cared about our feelings. Because we haven't been allowed to feel anything. And it's not just white guys. It's men in general. And especially with all the emphasis on uh, mental health the past few years, I find it to be uh, very hypocritical to then turn around and just shut down an entire group of people and say nobody wants to hear what you're dealing with. 
you know, when when I watched the Woodstock '99 documentary and I saw some of the bands on the bill, and I remember, you know, even to this day, I still listen to some of those bands, some of the songs that come up, and they are a a release when it happens. You know, bands like Corn and Limp Bizkit and Metallica and Rage Against the Machine. Linkin Park is somebody that I would even add into the mix. There was this sort of guttural yell that comes out from that to release those feelings with the music. It just, there's something about it that helps. And I'm not saying to go super aggro, toxic masculinity masculinity with it, because I don't think that that helps anybody, creates more problems than it solves. But I do know that when it comes to these feelings... We have to be allowed to feel them openly and honestly without fear of judgment. We have to develop the tools to process these things, to figure out why they exist, where they come from, and find a way to release them. Because, yeah, as an angry young white man, at one point in time, I did feel very misunderstood. And I did feel like the world wasn't listening to me. And didn't care what I had to say. I felt very lost and very unseen. And unheard. And unrecognized. And there are a lot of people who do. Sure, are there unconscious biases that exist that I benefit from along the way? Yes. We're not going to deny that. But I'm not... The white guy who holds all the power. You know, it's easy to write off people as the enemy or the problem. But we only look at the same level of ourselves. We never can look higher and hold those in higher positions accountable. We fight amongst ourselves for the crumbs. It's just, it's very bothersome and troubling to hear this idea of white guys being angry about nothing 
we're, we're very much angry about the same things that everybody else is on a daily basis. Don't, don't write it off. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't ignore it. Don't diminish it. And don't invalidate it. Anger comes from so many places. Your parents don't listen to you. Your teachers don't listen to you. Your boss doesn't listen to you. Whoever. The anger comes from somewhere. So let's stop saying that it doesn't come from anywhere. Let's try to see it for what it is. Recognize it, process it, and try to be able to move on from it. Move forward from it. But we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it. Because ignoring it, pretending it doesn't exist, is not helpful. It's not. And on that note, I'm going to call time. Thanks for coming along the ride with me this week. Look, don't try to like misinterpret any of this as some kind of men's right activism or anything like that because that's not the that's not where I'm at, right? I'm not here to just be like, yeah, men are so unfairly untreated. Like that's not the case. But I do think that everybody's experience is is important to to talk about and our feelings whoever you are are important for us to talk about. So Let's not exclude anybody. Let's make sure that we're including everybody in those conversations. If we're really serious about mental health, then let's be serious about mental health for everybody. White guys included. All right. With that said, let's uh, let's get the show wrapped up and get you all the necessary information along the way, okay? Uh, let's start with the shirts. Getting Old Quickly shirts are available. Not just for white guys. Uh, teespring.com slash getting old quickly. That's teespring.com slash getting old quickly. 10% of the profits go to NAMI. That is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. So uh, get a sweet shirt. How about a good cause? Teespring.com slash getting old quickly. Email address here at the show is gettingoldquicklypod at gmail.com. That's gettingoldquicklypod at gmail.com. Question, comment, feedback, you want to send it in, do so to that address. I'll get it. I'll read it. I'll respond back to you. And if I think it's something that we need to bring up or dive deeper into on the show, well, maybe that happens. Okay, so gettingoldquicklypod at gmail.com. Podcast is available in all the typical podcast places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, iHeartRadio, etc. So do yourself a favor, subscribe slash follow. Subscribe slash not both, I guess it's one or the other. Whatever your podcast platform uses, subscribe or follow the show. It's free, and when new episodes of Getting Old Quickly drop every single Monday, they will be delivered right to you to just embark on listening right out of the chute. Okay, you don't have to hunt or search or do anything. They're right there for you. So subscribe or follow. Make your life more convenient and make it easier for yourself. 
And if you use Apple Podcasts, rate and review the show. That's a help, uh, at least, I don't know, for my self-esteem. Uh, five stars for the five-star effort I hopefully give you week in and week out. And as far as the review is concerned, just jot down a few words, preferably in sentence form, and, um, and just write down what you dig about the show. So do that. Subscribe or follow. Rate and review. That's it. And I will appreciate you handling your business in all of those areas, okay? Um, on social media, you can make sure that you, uh, well, I guess you like or follow or whatever we want to say about any of our social media pages, which I still do not regularly update. But uh, on Instagram, that's at getting old quickly. On Facebook, facebook.com slash getting old quickly. And on Twitter, at getting old quick. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not, it just, I don't do it as much as I should. Um, but, you know, it doesn't hurt to like them in case I decide to be more active there. So uh, just do those, okay? And um, and look, and make sure you tell your friends and your family or whoever, loved ones, mailman, uh, grocery store cashier, I don't know, about the show. It helps when you spread the word as opposed to me just trying to lure everybody here. Lure is a terrible word. But me trying to um, get everybody here all by myself, okay? So uh, spread the word. You know, this week, tell three people that you know about the show, why you like it, and see if you can get them to listen, all right? So, um, yeah, uh, word of mouth, that's a big deal. So tell people that you listen to the show, and maybe they will start too, okay? Um, and yeah, you know how to find it. Yeah, all, all the things. All right, now I'm starting to ramble. Let's get the hell out of here, okay? Last note, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline exists for a reason. Do you find yourself in crisis mode or in a dark place, whether it's yourself, family member, loved one, somebody who needs help, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Somebody is available 24-7 to talk to you and what you are dealing with. So it is there for you to use. So if you need it, use it. It's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255 talk on that note let's get out of here i'll be back next week to talk about something else but in the meantime i hope i've at least given you something to think about throughout the week i'm billy donnelly i'm getting old quickly and just remember getting old doesn't suck it kind of just happens (music) 